Hi, I'm Kelly. And I'm Carrie. And, and we're, we're identical, identical twins. twins. We are so excited to talk to you about all things related to church music here on Hymn Talk, Twin Talk. Now each week we will break down a hymn. It could be an old favorite or it could be one you've never heard of. But it is our prayer that you will worship with us no matter what song it is. So let's get started here on Hymn Talk, Twin Talk. Hi everyone. Hi everyone. I'm Kelly. I'm Carrie. And, and we're, we're Identical, identical twins. twins. And we are here for another episode of Hymn Hymn Talk, Talk, Twin Talk. Do you really need us to tell you the name of the podcast? I mean, we (laughs) you just picked it from your podcasting app. You just you know, clicked on this episode to play, and yet we still have to tell you that it's Hymn Talk, Talk, Twin Talk. Talk. (laughs) Well, we want to remind you who we are because we are doing something very different today. We kind of have a big announcement. Yes. So we're very excited for Christmas. Yes, and you might not know this about us, Mm -hmm. but Carrie and I are pretty crafty. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we—I feel like we used to be. I mean, I consider myself crafty. Really? What was the last thing you crafted? (laughs) I don't get to use the cricket sound that often. No, I just did a stocking stuffing program Mm -hmm. at the church. Mm -hmm. um, You know, for children in need, Mm -hmm. and I. Pulled out my sewing machine and made a bunch of stockings. That's amazing. When was the last time you were crafty? So I like <laughs> decorated my bulletin board at school. Okay, so that counts. <laughs> that totally counts. Well, we are inspired yes. from a hymn from an upcoming episode. Yes. And we've decided to create our very own one of a kind exclusive limited edition <laughs> hymn talk, talk twin, twin talk Christmas, Christmas ornaments. ornaments. <laughs> Yay. So, in an upcoming episode, we'll be talking about a beautiful Christmas carol. Mm -hmm. I mean, I love it. And I don't think it's like one of the big ones. Do you? No, it's not. I'm not even sure it's a Christmas carol. We'd have to really dig into that. Right. Like, what is a carol? It just seems like a Christmas hymn. hymn. Yeah. So, we will be talking about... Angels Angels from from the the Realms of Glory in a Christmas episode. And we thought just in preparation for that and in in excitement over this episode, Mm -hmm. we would create our very own Angels from the Realms of Glory Christmas Christmas ornaments. We want you to have a Hymn Talk Twin Talk ornament. So please find us on social media in coming weeks. Yes. Very soon. It's coming fast, Carrie. You know, my daughter is like counting down to Christmas and it's stressful. Why is she doing that? Because she wants it. She wants gifts. She wants the whole thing. She wants it here. Like, and I said to her, you don't want to rush Christmas. If you rush Christmas, you're skipping over Thanksgiving. And she said she doesn't care about Thanksgiving. (laughs) She only cares about Christmas. Okay, but has she listened to episode nine, Count Your Blessings? I can pretty much guarantee she hasn't. (laughs) Because that really does get you in the mood for Thanksgiving. There's all this Thanksgiving trivia. Yeah. So, you know, in the next couple of weeks, if you're looking for something to listen to that you haven't listened to before, check out episode nine. It's the awesome, fun, sweet, singable hymn, Count Your Blessings. I love it. But it's also a lot about just Thanksgiving and being grateful. So we don't want to rush by Thanksgiving. No. But we are planning these ornaments. Yes. So be looking for it. We are super excited. This is our first time delving into this Mm -hmm. merchandise, this idea of selling something. Right. So if we sell all of these limited edition Hymn Talk, Twin Talk (laughs) 
<laughs> ornaments, then who knows what will come up next? Yeah. yeah. If you have any ideas, call us. But we are pretty crafty, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I just, I feel like I was craftier when the kids were little. Right, right. And I now, And now I just, I can barely do anything. <laughs> I feel like my craftiness has turned into a podcasting right. obsession. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, speaking of podcasts, we are here to talk about a hymn. Yes, not just Christmas ornaments. <laughs> no, and not angels from the realms of glory, although that will be coming up. Yes. Today we have a hymn that came as a request from one of our most loyal, most lovable Hymn Talk Twin Talk listeners. Yes, we have so many connections with this listener. Her name is Jill. Yep. And she lives locally and we've met her. Yes, she's been able to come to the church and she's been able to see one of our some of our live episodes that we yep. do. And she has already given us two suggestions yes. for the podcast, which is so funny. You wouldn't expect us to be on her third. Right, right. She has already suggested the awesome song. I mean, I loved this episode. It was Love Lifted Me. Yes. If you haven't listened to Love Lifted Me, that was episode 34. I love that mm -hmm. song. That's mm -hmm. like a song from our childhood. Yep. And it was so much fun and very sweet. I just yes. love that episode. Then she went on to do another him from our childhood. It was number 52, Faith is the Victory. Right. So Jill has an has awesome taste in hymns yes. because those two episodes were so good. And maybe we wouldn't get to her third request, right, right. but another listener, follower on Instagram requested the same hymn. That's right. So this is someone we do not know. Nope. This woman, is her name is Judy. She's a follower on Instagram. She says she loves the old hymns, but she currently worships at a church that they don't do them. Right. So when she hears our hymns on our episode, she's just brought back to her childhood days. It's very sweet, and she gets to reminisce, and it's nostalgic. Right. She loves the old hymns, and she requested the same hymn. So that's it. We have to do it. We have Jill. to. And Judy. For Jill and Judy, these two ladies. So Jill has this funny story. She okay. says that she sang it in Sunday school as a kid. So I'm not sure I would classify this as a children's hymn, but she sang it in Sunday school. And she said that their tradition at the church for Sunday school was that all the kids would gather together in the sanctuary for like <laughs> 10 or 15 minutes of worship. Then they would split up and go to their classes for Sunday school. And she said that when they gathered together, she can remember singing this hymn and We've a Story to Tell to the Nations. Well, we've done We've a Story to Tell to the Nations. Right. That was episode 21. Right. It's so funny to me. Like, we're on episode 69, and we have so many hymns that we've already done. There's yeah. just so many hymns that we can talk about that we've, you know, that we've already done. Yes. It's yes. crazy. I mean... So check out 21 if you haven't sure. yet. Check sure. out 21. We have a story to tell. Now, we have to announce today's hymn. So Judy wants it. Jill wants it. We've talked about it. Here it is. Who, Who is, is on the Lord's side? Who is on the Lord's side? Mm -hmm. Kelly, I don't have any recollection of singing nope. this as a kid. No, nope, me neither. So Judy said that she loves verse 2. 
Right. She said verse two is her favorite. And that's kind of cool because honestly, most people like verse one or verse four. Right. I, I think know. It's she's so cool. she's like picking verse, verse two. Yeah. yeah. Judy likes verse two. She says it talks about putting your armor on mm-hmm. daily. And she said, you know, we need to do that every day. We wake up and we want to put our Christian armor on right. and be ready to face the world. She says things happen in our world. And the church, we as Christians, we need to stand up right. and be strong and face them with boldness. Right. I think that's so great. I know. We should all be thinking that. Why don't we sing, Carrie, verse 2? Okay, since that's the one that Judy liked the best. Not for weight of glory, not for crown and palm, enter we the army, raise the warrior psalm. But for love that claimeth, lives for whom he died. He whom Jesus nameth must be on his side. By thy love constraining, by thy grace divine, We are on the Lord's side, Savior, we are thine. That's verse two. Yeah. Judy's favorite. Yeah, so Judy says she loves when we sing, enter we the army. Mm -hmm. We are the army and we are entering every day. So why don't we give all the words? Okay. All right. So you know we've been sharing the mm-hmm. piano playing of Reluca Bourgeois. Mm-hmm. She actually might be making an appearance on an upcoming episode. Yes. Uh, yes. But yeah, we love the way she is just working to keep hymns alive mm-hmm. and share hymns with the world. Mm-hmm. So she's playing the music for us. And let's read the words. Right. This is all four verses, even though we did just sing the second yeah. verse. Yeah, we can read it again. Who is on the Lord's side? Who will serve the king? Who will be his helpers other lives to bring? Who will leave the world's side? Who will face the foe? Who is on the Lord's side? Who for him will go? By thy call of mercy, by thy grace divine, we are on the Lord's side. Savior, we are thine. Not for weight of glory, not for crown and palm, enter we the army, raise the warrior psalm. But for love that claimeth, lives for whom he died, he whom Jesus nameth must be on his side. By thy love constraining, by thy grace divine, we are on the Lord's side, Savior, we are thine. Jesus, thou hast bought us not with gold or gem, but with thine own lifeblood for thy diadem. With thy blessing filling each who comes to thee, thou hast made us willing, thou hast made us free. By thy grand redemption, by thy grace divine, we are on the Lord's side, Savior, we are thine. Fierce may be the conflict, strong may be the foe, but the king's own army none can overthrow. Round his standard ranging, victory is secure, for his truth unchanging makes the triumph sure. 
joyfully enlisting by thy grace divine. We are on the Lord's side. Savior, we are thine. So there's four verses, and technically there's a refrain. Yeah, it's kind of a cool refrain. It's a cool refrain. Did you all hear the words that kept repeating? That's the part that would be considered the refrain. And it's cool because it's an answer to the question. It is an answer to the question. What other hymn did we do recently that asked the question and had us answer it right in the hymn? Oh, I know. (laughs) Tell us, Carrie. I wonder if anyone else knows. I wonder. Here I am, Lord. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Now, we t- that day, in that episode, episode 65, <laughs> if you haven't listened to it yet, we talked about questions in hymns, and a lot of the times the questions are rhetorical. Right. But here is another example of the question not being rhetorical. Right. It definitely, most emphatically, gets answered four times. Right. Right. Okay. So looking at this refrain, this is what I think is so interesting. Okay. There's four lines to the refrain. Mm-hmm. The final three lines are all the same. By thy grace divine, we are on the Lord's side. Savior, we are thine. Mm -hmm. But that first line is different. And Mm -hmm. you might say then that it's not really part of the refrain anymore. It's still part of the verse. I know, but looking at the structure of the song, Mm -hmm. it has to go with the refrain. And some editor, some hymnal editor, did it just like that, where they put the word refrain at that first line, even though it's different. And then the rest of the refrain just has one set of words. They don't keep repeating the words. Right. So looking at the lines that change, I think this is so clever and so interesting. And it's one of the reasons why I can't wait to learn more about this hymn writer, because I really love this pattern. Verse one, by thy call of mercy. Mm -hmm. Verse two, by thy love constraining. Verse three, by thy grand redemption. Verse four, joyfully enlisting. And in those four lines mm. of the refrain, we get the salvation story. Right. And we see that right in verse one. He has shown us mercy. Yeah. Then two, by thy love constraining. I had to look up the word constraining. What's that? Yeah, What's I mean, that? I you know feel it. like it doesn't make sense because I thought constraining like had to be like held back or right. held together. And I'm like, why would the love be held back? Right, right. I actually thought that too. But no, constraining means that it like compels you to do something. Like you can't not wow. do something. I, I think it confuses me because I'm thinking of restraint. So when I hear constrain, for some reason I'm thinking restraint, holding back. It compels or forces someone to follow a particular course of action. So maybe that sounds like you're being forced to do something. But when you're saying that the love is constraining you, it's like, oh, once you see this love, you can't help but do something. You're compelled. And then verse three, thy grand redemption. You are forgiven. You are redeemed. You are saved. Right. And then four, Joyfully enlisting. Right, because once you understand the mercy and the love that's constraining you, yeah. to, and, and then you're redeemed, and you know you're redeemed, then you're, joyfully, you joyfully enlist, enlist in God's army. Yeah. You know, just those four lines yeah. tell such a powerful story. I mean, the woman who wrote the words is Frances Havergal, and she really does have a way with words. Yeah. I mean, just that could be its own hymn. Right. Like all the other stuff about 
you know, the army and, and right. you actually could just take that refrain right. and like expand it a little bit and make that its own song. It's mercy, it's love, yeah. it's redemption, and then it's serving. It's joyfully serving. Right. How how could you not? Right. Because the love is constraining you. Right, Gary. <laughs> I'm going to say that all the time now. I know, that's going to be our new word. I, it, I had to look it up, though, because I couldn't understand why right. it was included in the hymn. Yeah. You know, and that's the problem with hymns, mm-hmm. is that if people sing them and don't understand them, it makes them not enjoy them, or it just makes them not have any c- connection and meaning. It doesn't have any meaning to them. You know, that's why Hymn Talk Twin Talk is such an important show. <laughs> so important, so important. <laughs> all right, so the woman who wrote the words. You know, we love when we get to talk about female hymn writers. And this one is so unique because three different people had a part in the writing of this hymn. And two of the people were women. Yeah. So the hymn, the words are by Frances Ridley Havergal. And the music is by Caroline Louise Reichardt. And then a third person, a gentleman that we know well here on Him Talk, yes. Talk, John Goss actually arranged it. Right. So he like actually took the tune and put it together with Frances Havergal's words. Right. Um, well, let's talk about Frances Havergal. Let's start with her. She is the hymn legend. Frances Ridley Havergal was born on December 14th, 1836 in Astley, United Kingdom. Her father was a rector. Her father was a pastor of this church. And basically her little childhood years were spent in Astley at St. Peter's Church. Now we can actually go visit St. Peter's today. I looked it up. Okay. And the building is there. I see pictures and the stained glass is beautiful. But it doesn't seem like they're having services. It said on their the website that they're not really having a lot of events and they've combined with St. Bartholomew's Church, which is nearby. And so I, I don't think that they're, you know, an active church in that building. So those people are probably now going to St. Bartholomew's. Yeah, maybe. But Frances Havergal and her father, William Henry Havergal, are both buried at oh. St. Peter's in Astley. So you could go there and you could see their graves. Uh, Even- is our captain? It sounds like I, that's a trip for me. This is your captain speaking. I would love to. Yeah, so we could totally go visit the building, although I don't know if there would be a church right. service that we could attend. She was the sixth and youngest child of the Reverend Henry Havergal and his wife, Jane. And his, the parents were both earnest, spiritually-minded, evangelical Christians, mm. and their home was rich in all holy influences. And from early years, she just showed her intellectual power. Uh, She was studying Hebrew, studying Greek, and she was writing verses at a very young age. Um, Even by like seven, her poems were soon admitted into like the best religious periodicals of the day. But then Frances, they had some tragedy. And when she was 11, her mother died. Yeah, so they say that her grief was intense. And she, because she was a writer, Kelly, she wrote so many journal entries and diaries. We have so much information about her. And she said that after her mother died, she said that she was like in a trance, just kind of roaming, and she kept going back into the room to see if her mother's eyes were open. Oh, yikes. Yeah, and I'm like, why is this child at 11? She's only 11, that's Why is she in the house like doing this? And I think she's the youngest of six, and she just, people weren't really like paying attention to her. Everybody was grieving. So throughout her childhood, she, you know, her father's the rector of the church. She writes about wanting to be a happy Christian. 
And she said she wasn't. She referred to herself in her writings as a naughty girl. (gasps) Oh, my goodness. So she was sent to a boarding school at the age of 14, and the night before she left, her sister Ethel was brushing her hair and just encouraging her. And I can imagine this conversation. And she was speaking of how God loved her and how God was going to watch over her and keep her safe. And Frances was sitting there listening, and she was getting herself kind of worked up, and she blurted out, I can't love God yet, Nellie. Yeah. So she went to this Christian school, and she loved her teacher. In February 1851, she wrote in her memoir that she had a close relationship with a young teacher named Caroline Cook. And Caroline asked her, this is a direct quote. Wow. Attention, please. She asked, why cannot you trust yourself to your Savior at once? Supposing now at this moment Christ were to come, could you not trust him? Would not his call, his promise be enough for you? Mm. Could you not commit your soul to him, to your Savior, Jesus? And Francis writes about what happens next. She's talking to this teacher, Miss right, Cook. Right. And this is another quote. She says, Then came a flash of hope across me, which made me feel literally breathless. I remember how my heart beat. I could, surely, was my response. And I left her suddenly and ran away upstairs to think it out. I flung myself on my knees in my room and strove to realize the sudden hope. I was very happy at last. I could commit my soul to Jesus. I could trust him with my all for eternity. I know. She says right then and there she committed her soul to to the Savior. And that teacher, Caroline Cook, ended up marrying her father and becoming Francis's beloved mother. Oh, is that how I feel about that? (laughs) Well, she must have brought Miss Cook home. She said to the father, the rector, she said, this awesome teacher, this amazing teacher. And then they... they, The teacher had like a crush on the dad, and so she was being (laughs) extra nice to the daughter. No way. (laughs) She was just, you know, being a good teacher and a good friend. I thought that was so funny. My goodness. So her favorite teacher at school ends up being her stepmother. How would you like that? Well, I think she was very happy. She loved this girl. She loved this woman. Of course, she goes on to write and write. I mean, hundreds. Now, the father was a hymn writer, too. Now, I have a song that they, like, would have, could have written together. The tune is by the father, and the words are by Francis. Do you want to try it? Father and daughter hymn writing team. Totally. It's called Thy Life for Me. Okay. Thy life was given for me. Thy blood, O Lord, was shed that I might ransomed be and quickened from the dead. Thy life was given for me. What have I given for thee? So, really interesting. This is an example of a question that doesn't get answered. Right. What, what have, have I, I given, given for thee? Words came easy to her. So, even like when I think of this song, even though it almost sounds like labored in this 
him, I feel like standing on its own, the words just flowed freely and effortlessly from her. So she was writing to a friend and she said this when she described her feelings when she was writing hymns. We actually have another exact quote. Oh, let me hear it. Attention, please. So she said, writing is praying with me. For I never seem to write even a verse by myself. And I feel like a little child writing. You know, a child would look up after every sentence and say, What am I to say next? That is just what I do. I ask that at every line. He would give me not merely thought and power, but also every word, even the very rhyme. Very often I have a most distinct and happy consciousness of direct answers. Aww. We hear of hymn writers all the time who say, I didn't write it, God right, did. of course. I mean, but for her to word it that way, and you know, when she says like a little child writing, I think back to like when we would try to get the kids to write their thank you notes. Yes. You know, dear aunt so-and-so, right. thank you for the truck. What do I say next? We'll say how, how fun it is to play with it. It's really fun to play with. Right, what do I right. say next? So they keep coming right. back with what do I say next? Right. And that's her. Except she's not asking an adult. She's asking God. Okay, she looks up and says, okay, God, what right. do I say next? Right. Right. I think it's such an awesome you know, way to picture her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she kind of died young, Kel, at the age of 42. She had like typhoid fever and people were praying for her. They wanted her to get better. Mm -hmm. And we actually have another quote. She said, I did not want them to pray that I might get well at all. I never thought of death as going through the dark valley or down to the river. It often seemed to me a going up to the Golden Gates. So she was not afraid to die. A few years later, she battled perionitis. And in 1879, she she died. Wow. Uh, and yeah, I mean, she did not live long. She never married. She never had kids. She still had a ton of hymns in that very short amount of time. Yeah. She has so many good ones. Right. She's definitely like, we have that hit, hashtag hymn legend. Yes. We're going to be sharing her other She is a hymns. hymn legend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But this poem, these words find themselves in the hands of... John Goss. Now, John Goss is an amazing composer. We talked about him just a few episodes ago. Yeah. Kelly, he's the guy who did the music behind Praise Praise My Soul, Soul, The the King King of of Heaven. Heaven. The late Queen Elizabeth's favorite hymn. Yeah. Now, John Goss, he's the one. He finds the music. He finds... Havergal's words. words, and he's the one who creates it and makes it a hymn. Amazing, and then, you know he has to adjust it a little bit. Right. Maybe he adds a, a line here or there of music to make it fit, but he's the one who really creates this hymn. Right. So John Goss was born on December twenty seventh, eighteen hundred, in Hampshire, United Kingdom. Is it Hampshire? Carrie? Yeah, probably. <laughs> but John Goss is pretty awesome. He we talked about him before. He was the one who ended up being the chorister at St. Paul's. He went to school there. He was a composer. It is said that he considered every anthem like a sermon. He wanted a message, he wanted to draw people in, he wanted to preach the truth mm-hmm. with his music. Mm-hmm. In many of his compositions, he initialed in I N D A. And in Latin, it was in nomine domini, amen. What's that? (laughs) What's that? It's in the name of God, amen. Amen. Oh, I like that. Yeah. He was knighted by Queen Victoria. We talked about that in 1872. Yeah. So he is this 
brilliant composer, and it is through his creative right. genius that he gives us this hymn. Right, right. So the words were Francis Havergal. Right, and the person who put it together was this John Goss. Both of them were people of faith. Both of them mm-hmm. loved the Lord mm-hmm. and was were, but they probably were both looking to God for guidance. I mean, you have to think that the Holy Spirit was at work there getting this hymn together. But the woman who wrote the music, mm-hmm. we don't really know a lot about her faith. In fact, I'm not sure she was a Christian, but she was a famous and talented musician. Yeah. Let's, let's hear about Caroline Louise Reichardt. She was born on April 11th, 1779 in Berlin, Germany. Oh. So not near our two other writers from England. Not at all. Louise's parents were named Johann Friedrich Reichardt mm-hmm. and Julianne Reichardt. They were a big German family. All of their names sound German. Yeah, totally. Her name was Caroline Louise, but in everything that I read, it seemed that they just called her Louise, not Caroline. And she grew up in a very, very musical family. So I read um, that they that both of her parents were composers. She received some formal education, and she received from some musical training from her father mm-hmm. and some of his friends, but she was also self-taught. And she was kind of living in this kind of celebrity German oh. composer time. Her grandfather was the Konzertmeister. Okay. Konzertmeister. And that's Eng- German for concertmaster. Now, do you know what a concertmaster is, Carrie? I'm thinking it's the conductor? <laughs> no. I thought so, too. The concertmaster is the principal first violin player in oh. an orchestra. And after the conductor, the concertmaster is the second most significant leader in an orchestra or symphonic band. Aww. The concertmaster played the violin, sat right up front, mm-hmm. and often shook the conductor's hand. We still see that we today. We still see that, yeah. The, the concertmaster is the only one who gets to do that. Right. They initiated the orchestra's tuning, and they almost always played the special solos. They commanded large salaries, and they were sometimes pretty famous, at least in the musical world. And nowadays it could be called first chair, first violin, or concert mistress. Ooh. Yes. Now that was her grandfather. Okay. Her father was Kapellmeister. And it's I think it's Kapellmeister. I think the yeah. emphasis is on the ka. Okay. Kapellmeister. It's a German Kapel. word designating a person who is in charge of music making. So the <laughs> word is a compound, right? It consists of the word kapell. Which could be mean, which could mean choir or orchestra, but literally it means. Do you know what capel means? I'm thinking chapel, right? Chapel and meister. So it's basically the ma- chapel meister, um, and it was basic. It used to be someone who was in charge of music in a chapel, but the term has evolved, and and it's really just someone who's in charge of music. Um, but they would all of the great courts and kingdoms mm-hmm. in Germany mm-hmm. would have their own kapellmeisters. And so he was the Kapellmeister of Frederick the Great. And honestly, becoming a Kapellmeister was a mark of success for the professional musician. So a little fun fact. Musicians at the time wanted to be Kapellmeisters. One of the most talented musicians was Beethoven. 
He never worked as a Kapellmeister. He didn't want to. He instead <laughs> pursued a career as a freelance musician. He didn't want anyone telling him what to do. Yeah, of course he didn't. And another fun fact, Mozart did apply to become the oh, Kapellmeister. Oh my goodness, at of course. St. Stephen's Cathedral. Yeah. So, at, yeah, there was this whole thing between Mozart and Salieri. You remember, right? From oh, the movie yeah. Amadeus? Yeah, of course. Yes. So, in 1787, Mozart was given a paid position in the court of the Austrian emperor. He wasn't the Kapellmeister. Anything that any decision needed to be made or anything musical that was happening had to fall under Antonio Salieri. But people started referring to Mozart as Kapellmeister. And Salieri was so mad. Right. He was the Kapellmeister, not Mozart. So the cool thing is, is that Caroline Louise Reichardt mm -hmm. grows up with these super musical family. I mean, more musical than just I know. musical. You right. know? I mean, professional musicians. It's no wonder that she herself became a composer. Now, unfortunately, she had some kind of tragedies hit her life. Aww. She was engaged to be married. And the night before the wedding, her husband-to-be died. Oh, my goodness. Named Friedrich August Eschen. And then she was engaged to be married for a second time to a painter named Franz Gares. And he also did, died before the wedding. I don't have any information on how these two men died. That's crazy. Yeah. But so she, I so mean, she said she wasn't going to get involved with romantic ties anymore she was done and she was going to devote her full emotional energy to her students and her compositions and it was assumed that this was to protect herself from any further heartbreak now a family friend named wilhelm grimm oh we yes, know him he is one of the he's the younger grimm brothers he had this to say about her and this is a direct quote oh <clears throat> he said Attention, that Louise's happy compositions are, are by far her best ones. She wrote over 75 songs. She was a driving force in the German choral movement. She translated texts into German from Latin so that they could be sung. And she organized and directed a women's chorus, composing much of the music for the women's choir. Unfortunately, it wasn't really proper for a female to conduct, so she never conducted the choir in public. But wow. she was behind the scenes, practicing with them, writing the music for them, and preparing them for the concerts. She just never conducted in now, public. Did her dad conduct, or was it just someone else? No. So listen, after the two fiancés died, she moved away from Berlin, and she moved to Hamburg, Germany, and it says much to her father's dismay. She goes to Hamburg. She supports herself financially for the rest of her life. She never returned home after she moved there. Wow. And it says that she rarely left the city even to travel. Wow. But she did not have to rely on royal patronage. Her father and her mm -hmm. grandfather had to work for the royal families to get their money. And she did not do that. But her music was very much influenced by the romantic German music that was being composed. She did not compose many hymns at all. Right. In fact, she's most known for German Lieder. L-I-E-D-E-R. What's mm -hmm. that? Mm -hmm. What's yep. that? And that's just songs. A German song. Yep. German song. So she was mostly known for that. So she does have this kind of 
romantic quality about her. Now, romantic back then didn't mean like lovey-dovey at all. Mm -hmm, It just mm -hmm. meant, you know, more expressive. And there was, it was full of emotion and full of maybe angst. I mean, Beethoven was one of the first composers to write in this style. And and you can hear in his music that it's just so full of emotion. Mm. Um, This is kind of like a musical nerd moment, isn't it? Yeah. Because we're talking about classical music now. M&M's, always fun. Not just hymns. But when you hear who is on the Lord's side, I hear that German romantic sound. Yeah, and you know, it doesn't really sound like him. I I mean, I have to say, when you and I just sang the second verse, it was just the two of us, it had a little hymn-like quality. But if you were really to hear like sort of, the cor- a choral group singing it with four parts. Mm-hmm. I feel like it almost sounds like it would be operatic mm-hmm. in nature. Yes. It's very dramatic yes. and theatrical. And that doesn't that fit the romantic yes. qualities yes. at the time? So I did find um, other hymns that she wrote. They're just not many. And they're both in German. Everything that she wrote was in German. So I was able to find a hymn that she wrote that has been translated to English. No, you're not going to hear Carrie and I no. sing in German. No. Um, but this is a hymn that she wrote called Upon the Cross Extended. And we're going to sing it for you. And uh, we want you to listen for those romantic qualities that were around at the time. Upon the cross extended, sea world thy Lord suspended. Thy Savior yields his breath, the Prince of Life from heaven himself hath freely given to shame and blows and bitter death. So there's that romantic quality. That's why she's most famous for just writing music. I know. Writing songs, not really writing music for church. I did find another hymn. Okay. That is called Who Was on the Lord's Side. That is Francis Havergal's words. Okay. But a completely different hymn tune. Right. In fact, um, I think maybe in England or at least in Wales, this this hymn tune is probably more common. It is a Welsh tune written by a Welsh composer. Should we try to sing that one? Yeah. So this is Who Was on the Lord's Side, words written by Francis Havergal, but music written by Caradog Roberts, Mm -hmm. much more recently, 1878 to 1935. Mm -hmm. And I read that people preferred this tune to the old one. Wow. Yeah, so let's try it. Who is on the Lord's side? Who will serve the king? Who will be his helpers other lives to bring? Who will leave the world side? Who will face the foe? Who is on the Lord's side? Who for him will go? By thy call of mercy, by thy 
divine. We are on the Lord's side, Savior. We are thine. That's totally different, and I there's something that I really, really like about it. Well, I think it's more predictable. It's more yeah. understandable. It's it's kind of happier. It doesn't sound, you know, like we're going off to battle. I mean, I actually, I like it better. Is that bad? Do you like it better? I don't like it better. Okay, so we're not twinning right now. I like the original. I think this hymn tune sounds a little bit more modern. Yeah. Well, it, this I think it sounds more like a hymn. True. So maybe we should put this out there as a poll. Oh, yeah. That's a great idea. Yeah, which tune do you like better? Well, I'm sure Jill and Judy are going to like the original. No, of course. I mean, I understand loving the original, but this one is surprisingly good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's look at these words. The words have stood the test of time. I mean, verse one is definitely a quote from Exodus. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is Exodus 32. Moses is up on the mountain. He's getting the Ten Commandments, and he's gone an awful long time. And God's people are, you know, where is he? He brought us, you know, out from Egypt. Right. Like, where did he go? He's been gone an awful long time. And and Aaron says, okay, well, let's take off all your jewelry, all your gold, and let's make this golden calf, and now this will be your God. Like, I don't know why they would come up with this idea. And God says to Moses, the people down there are worshiping someone else. Mm-hmm. They are being horrible people. My anger is burning inside me. I want to punish them. And Moses says, just wait, God, let me go and talk to them. Let me go talk to them. So Moses goes down with the tablets, and when he sees what's going on, he, like, drops the tablets, and they break. <laughs> and he yells at them, I can't, I, I can't believe right. you're worshiping this golden calf. Have you forgotten everything that mm-hmm. has happened? Mm-hmm. You know, and I feel like he's like, I defended you. I know. I defended you to God. I talked to him for you and said that you were okay, and you're not. So he says, Exodus 32, 26, then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, who is on the Lord's side? Let him come into me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together unto him. Anyone who is on God's side, come with me. Right. Come, they're the Levites. They're the priests. They're the high priests. God blesses them. And what does God tell Moses and the Levites to do next? kill the other people who didn't come the bible says that there's three thousand in number so it's odd i think this is an odd passage to be quoting in a hymn right because it's god sending his people to kill other people right and you know the bible has so many wonderful stories and wonderful things that we can learn from but there's a lot of violence that and when uh, you know non-believers hear these things or read these things, it's hard to really come to terms with. You know, you th- it happens all the time. I mean, even like Pharaoh wanting the firstborn yes. children to be dead. I mean, there's like a lot of stuff that's really hard to, to read. Mm-hmm. You know, there was evil in the world back then. There's evil in the world now. But it's hard. Mm-hmm. And so verse 1, I think, does kind of live in that, you know, Old Testament time. Mm-hmm. But verse 2 immediately goes to Jesus immediately goes to Jesus. Who are we talking about here? Mm-hmm. Not for weight of glory, not for crown and palm. Who came to serve? Not for the palm branches that were thrown, not for the crown. I mean, right. Jesus came to serve. Enter we the army, raise the warrior psalm. So Psalm 91 okay. has been qu- called the warrior's psalm 
or warrior psalm. Um, in fact, what I read from it is it's been used as a psalm of comfort for military families, Aww. which kind of makes me think she wasn't calling it the warrior psalm. This is not the one that she was talking of. There's no nothing that says um, that this is the warrior psalm right. in like any of the notes. But it is a psalm about, you know, being strong and not being afraid and mm-hmm. how God will protect you. Mm-hmm. Um, surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and mm-hmm. from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. Mm-hmm. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. If you say the Lord is my refuge and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Mm. So to me, that's a psalm of protection. And yes, maybe that's the psalm that she was thinking of when she wrote Raise the Warrior Psalm, something to give us comfort. Yeah. Another one that has been called a warrior psalm is Psalm 3. And again, it's this psalm of David when he fled from his son Absalom and he was praying that the that God would protect him, that God would deliver him. Arise, Lord, deliver me, my God. Strike my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. Hmm. And then they say Psalm 18 was also a warrior psalm. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock my fortress, my deliverer, my God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. So what these Psalms have in common, whichever one she was referring to, if any, is that, you know, we do have enemies. We do have times of danger. We do have times where we're feeling attacked. So, you know, we can put on the armor, but we also have to put our faith in God. God will take care of us. God will protect us. And when we have those words in our head, we're braver and we can face anything. Absolutely. So that's what she's saying. Raise the warrior psalm. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So she references Jesus a little bit because he came not for crown, not for glory, not for psalm, but really she references Jesus now in verse three. Right. Jesus, thou hast bought us not with gold or gem, but with thine own lifeblood. Yeah. And I just think that's such a poetic way of writing. Again, it's so Francis Havergal. Right. He's bought us, and it comes right from the Bible. Yes. It comes right from the Bible. Galatians 3. What does the <laughs> Bible say? I mean, this is Galatians 3, 13, 13 to 15. And it's a new life version, so it's definitely a more modern translation. Okay. But I loved the words. Christ bought us with his blood mm-hmm. and made us free from the law. So as we are, you know, are talking about Moses in the Old Testament, we are free from the law. In that way, the law could not punish us. Christ did this by carrying the load and by being punished instead of us. Mm. Because of the price Christ Jesus paid, the good things that came to Abraham might come to the people who are not Jews. And by putting our trust in Christ, we receive the Holy Spirit he has promised. So we are free because of Jesus' lifeblood. Frances Havergal made sure we knew that. Mm. Yes, maybe she referenced the Old Testament story of Moses and the priests slaughtering the people, but we are free. 
We are free. That's the promise of God. That's the promise Jesus Christ gives us. And then verse 4, she brings it all home. Yeah. And this reminds me of one of those Psalms. Because it's acknowledging that it's hard. Mm-hmm. Fierce may be the conflict. Yeah. Strong may be the foe. But the king's own army, none, none can, can overthrow. overthrow. So we are fine. The victory is secure. The triumph is sure. His truth is unchanging. Right. We are safe. And so you see that over and over again in the Psalms anyways. Right. But maybe in that warrior Psalm reminding us we are, are safe. 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 And then she ends it with joyfully enlisting. I know. Joyfully. And you know, the word enlist, it's kind of a military I word. Know. I mean, how I many know. ways do you use the word enlist? Mm-hmm. It, it, it has this military connotation. Right. Right. And I'll tell you, that victory is sure and that triumph is sure. That reminds me so much of Faith is the Victory. I Remember I said at the beginning? I know. That I think it's so funny that these are the two songs that Jill yeah. has requested. Yeah. They are similar in theme. Mm-hmm. Yes, we have the battle before us. Yes, we have our work cut out for us. But we are promised the victory. And I go right to the Bible. What does the Bible <laughs> say? First Corinthians 15. It's the passage about the resurrection. And he says, thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, it's all about the resurrection. Death has been swallowed mm-hmm. up in victory. Where, oh, death is your victory. Where, oh, death is your sting. There is no death. There is no sting. Thanks be to God. Yeah. So don't get hung up on the fear and the worry about being hurt in battle or coming to harm because Christ has already won. Our triumph is sure. That's the whole hymn care. I know. And people need to remember that. People need to remember that that we already have the victory. Mm -hmm. I mean, we get really wrapped up and worked up over things that worry us and scare us, Mm. you know, but we don't need to be. So maybe this hymn needs like a resurgence. It needs to come back. Maybe this message that this hymn gives really isn't found anywhere else. Mm. Like really this, this assurance that we get. Um, in a really strong way. Well, and maybe those last three lines that repeat right. is just needs to be our you know mantra every day. Mm-hmm. We are on the, the Lord's side. Savior, we are thine. Like just to remind ourselves, right. we are on the Lord's side and we are his. We are his. And nothing can take us away from him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. So now, I mean, we get to hear this awesome men's quartet. Oh, did I tell you it was a quartet? I love it. It's a men's quartet. These four pastors, they don't live to get near each other, but they were able to create this recording Mm -hmm. through the magic of technology. There's Pastor Patrick Boyle from the Revival Baptist Church in Orlando, Florida. Mm -hmm. There's Pastor Matt Furse from Mountain View Baptist Church in Custer, South Dakota. Wow. There's Pastor Tommy McClurdy in Liberty Baptist Church in Rock Falls, Illinois. And Pastor Joe Major from Faith Baptist Church in Violet, Louisiana. It's kind of amazing. So Tommy McClurdy is sort of the the mastermind behind it. He had this idea. He found the arrangement. He sent the music to his friends. And they made this recording. And someone at his church put it together. And, you know, it's hard to do a virtual recording. Like, I I think people make it look really, really easy. But he has someone at church who can do it. And they did a great job. 
job. So we'll be able to share the audio, but yeah. later on our social media, we could share that video. Yeah, right, because it's just their kind of, see it. Yeah, yeah their yeah. rectangle kind of boxes yeah. of each of them. I mean, before the pandemic, we never knew that kind of thing existed. <laughs> I certainly didn't. Right. All right, so this is the virtual pastor's quartet. Love it. <laughs> of who, who is, is on, on the Lord's side? Who is on the Lord's side? Who will serve the King? Who will be His helpers, other lives to bring? Who will leave the world side? Who will face the cold? Who is on the Lord's side? Who for Him will go? By If we ever end up in, you know, these places, Orlando, Florida, South Dakota, Louisiana, Rock Falls, Illinois, I want to visit these churches. We have to. It's amazing. So thank you to Tommy who made this happen. Thank you to all the pastors who are Mm -hmm. so talented, right? A pastor who can sing like that, Cal? That's awesome. Love the recording. I mean, Kelly, we usually end with our hymn takes. Do you have a line? Do you have a verse that you want to share? I do. 
I think in verse four, mm. the king's own army, none can overthrow. Mm. I think two things. One, it reminds us that we are, that Jesus is king, that right. we're in the king's army. Mm-hmm. Like this is not, not anything of this world. Mm-hmm. It is all about Jesus Christ. And no one is going to overcome or overthrow him. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's the message that us Christians need to hear. Let's not get all nervous and worried. Right. No one can overthrow him. Because he is king and we are in his army. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Kelly, I actually have to say that my favorite thing is the thing I learned today because I didn't know what constraining meant. (laughs) That's your hymn So I totally love that I now know what that word means. Mm -hmm. And it's his love that compels us. Now that we know all that Jesus has done for us, we don't need to worry. Mm -hmm. We don't need Mm -hmm. to fret. We are on the Lord's side, Mm -hmm. period. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So thank you for teaching me about constraining. (laughs) All right. Well, this is going to have to be an Instagram poll. Who knows what the word constraints mean? (laughs) Well, I mean, this is so great. Jill and Judy have given us this hymn. We should introduce them. (laughs) (laughs) I have a feeling they would totally get along. I do too. Thank you so much. Thank you to everyone who just tunes Mm -hmm. in, who listens, who talks to us about the hymns that they like and the hymns that they don't like. Yes. It's really fun. And you're kind of inspiring us and motivating us. Oh my gosh, are our fans constraining us? They are. We're compelled to do something. To do more. So we're making ornaments. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we want to do more. We want to do more with hymns. Well, we're sort of dipping our toes in the waters of like, you know, Merchandise. merchandise and maybe a, a our own web store. I don't know our own online store. Yeah, it's just we're dipping our toes. We're in. having so much fun with him talk twin talk that we kind of want to do more. Yeah, so we sure. gotta figure it out. Hey, if you have an idea, let us know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so be looking for those ornaments on social media. Yep. We'll be back in two weeks for with episode seventy. 70. All right, bye everybody. Thanks right. for listening. Have a good week, everyone. Bye. <laughs>